we were all at one time without hope. And through Christ, through what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary, he was that man <laughs> who came and set us free. And today we're going to continue with that thought where, as you guys know, we're going through the, the book of John. And, and John is this, it's this introduction to who Jesus is. I believe now more than ever, it seems, that the world needs to know who Jesus is. We as the church need to be prepared to, to give that reason, to have that clear definition and to, to live lives that are glorifying to God. We're here today on the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. No doubt you've seen them in your bulletin. We've got some flyers there. And at the end of the service, we will have a special time of prayer. There's a travesty in our nation, and that is the fact that we're killing off a whole generation of kids before they're even born. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we see that he valued life, and he valued life so much that he came and he died for us. He came that we might have eternal life. And so we, as, as the church of God, we, we understand today that life is a, is a blessing. Life is, is something that, that, without a doubt, it is something that God wants us to value in our own lives. So today we, we stand amazed at the word of God and what it says to us. Look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we see a continuation of the story of John the baptizer. <laughs> His testimony. Talking about who this one that was to come is. And today it all comes to fruition. All the, all the years of, of ministry, the years of baptizing, the years of preparing, the years of crying in the wilderness. John today gets to meet this lamb that had come for the forgiveness of sin. Look at verse 29 there, John chapter 1. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Father, we thank you for your words. Lord, this account is more than just a baptism of Jesus. Lord, this was the herald cry of salvation for all people. Lord, this was the beginning of, of a great work that was coming. Lord, today we stand as, as benefactors of, of salvation. Lord, today I pray that your words would go forth from this place. Lord, we wouldn't just store them in our heart, but Lord, we would go from this place and we would share these truths with others that others might be set free. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. In your most holy name, amen. You guys, as we're looking at this, I, 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 I'm reminded that it's not just a baptism service. 
I think as a kid, that's what it meant to me. It was like, you know, everybody else in the church was baptized, so it would make sense that Jesus was baptized. But really, this baptism is not one for salvation. It's not one for an identification with a religion. This was a heralding of a great truth, a prophecy that was to come true, and it did. It was Jesus coming into the world and saying, hey, it's going to be okay. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus presents uh, himself that day as the lamb, and John notices that. As you're reading through this, uh, the the disciple John, he's he's really kind of presenting evidence to people as to who Jesus is. He's he's it's it's really like a court document if you want to. If you want to look through this, this is a testimony, this is all the evidence, and he lays it out, 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 all the way until the end. This is all the this is all the information we have. This is the proof. This is who Jesus is. John he presents this evidence as to who Jesus is. And guys, I mentioned it earlier, but the world needs to know who Jesus is. Amen? They need to know. They need to know that there is so many in the world today, they, they have a misconstrued thought as to what existence is about. But apart from Jesus, there is no life. There's no hope. There's no joy. And what the world needs to hear today is Jesus. He needs to hear that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And you and I as believers, we know the identity of Jesus. We've met him. We walk with him daily. But there's a world out there that's dying and needs to know about Jesus. They need to hear this. All the messages that John the Baptist had given up to this point were now coming to fruition. He had told people for a long time, hey, there's a guy coming. I'm not even worthy to take his sandals off. There's one who's coming that existed before me. The, the, there's one coming that is going to set people free. And all of a sudden, everything kind of comes to fruition. It all happens. I think, I think about the joy that John had that day. Don't you guys think he was happy to see the lamb coming? But I also think on a very human scale that there was a little bit of sadness because he knew what was going to have to happen in order for people to be set free. Joni and I, we, uh, we've been watching a show called The Chosen. I don't know if anybody's watched this. We're late on the scene. I know it doesn't make sense that a pastor would just now be watching The Chosen. But I was watching through this. We, uh, we binged it. So we binged the life of Jesus in like a couple days. But we were watching the show and I, and I, I couldn't help. There was one scene in particular that stood out to me and it was the, uh, we'll get into this in two weeks. So in two weeks, we're going to go through this story, but there is the, the account of Jesus going to the wa- the wedding, right? And he goes to this wedding and they run out of wine and they don't know what to do. And his mom comes to him and says, Jesus, I know who you are. I know what you can do. Can you make some wine? Can you, can you do something? And there's a scene where Jesus is standing. He has everybody leave the room, and he's standing before the, the water. Purification water at that. Purification jars that they had filled with water. And he's, he's standing in front of these jars, and my heart had to hurt just a little bit because I knew that, that this was one of those moments for Jesus that he knew everything was about to change. He wasn't just Jesus of Nazareth anymore. From that moment forth, the, the, after that, that miracle that he was going to perform, people were going to start to talk about him. And the ball for salvation was beginning to roll and roll and roll. And it was about to snowball. 
And we know the horror that was to come upon Jesus, don't we? The, the, the great sacrifice that he gave to our life, for our life. John, I have no doubt that he had some inkling as to who Jesus was. He knew something. We don't know the full extent of what John the Baptist knew at this point. But we do know that he identified Jesus correctly. We knew that he knew the basics at least. I don't know about you guys, but I'm okay being a guy that knows the basics, don't you? I don't have to know the, the ins and outs of every single thing in this world. And what I do know today as a believer in Jesus Christ is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. John here, he gives this beautiful picture in his testimony as to who Jesus is. I, I think that, that John would be happy with the way that John portrayed his story. John the... Uh, John the the disciple, John the apostle, telling the story of John the Baptist. I believe it's a good account. It's very thorough. It's, It's his testimony as to who Jesus is. And here we see John identifies three things about Jesus I want us to look at. There's there's more there, but uh, as a good Baptist, I want to have three points this morning, okay? There's three things that John the Baptist identifies and, and concerns with Jesus. And the first thing we see is that John identifies Jesus as what? The lamb. As the lamb. That's significant for those people. There's, it's significant for many reasons, I suppose, as we're looking at what lamb would have meant to the people hearing this. Now, to kind of set context to the story, we know that John the Baptist was a crazy guy that ran around the wilderness eating bugs and honey, right? And, and he wore weird clothes, and he was just a little bit crazy. And that's okay. He was a Baptist after all. But John the Baptist, here he is. He's running through the, you know, the wilderness and he's proclaiming, he's preparing. And here they are at the river and he's, he's baptizing new followers. People who are saying, you know what? We're ready for Messiah to get here. And then all of a sudden on the scene, Jesus shows up. And the identifier that he first labels to Jesus, he says, behold, the Lamb of God. I know there may be meanings for, for you today. There's several meanings out of scripture, you know. We've got the, the meaning of, you know, uh, of the term lamb, just in, in, in a general sense, a lamb, right? A baby sheep. And a lot of people disagree as to what exactly John meant here. There's several possibilities. Of course, we can look at the apocalyptic lamb who will judge the world and destroy evil. We read that in Revelation, right? Such an interpretation, it, it would fit well with what John's saying here, what the message he's trying to convey. We also know that there's the the lamb of the substitutionary. That it was the lamb that was given uh, for the Jewish people. They would pass over time. They would they would they would have a lamb that they would shed the blood for the forgiveness of their family's sin and so forth. And that fits with who we know Jesus as too. Amen. There's one that that kind of hits me square in the jaw. Uh, maybe the one in Isaiah 53 where the suffering servant is return, referred to as the lamb. Isaiah himself called Jesus the lamb. So we know that without a doubt that John may have exactly been talking about Isaiah too. Also the, the lamb that was the substitutionary lamb for, for Abraham. Lots of, lots of examples we can get out of scripture as to what did John mean by the lamb. But what we can know, and I want you guys to catch this. 
And it's important when you're studying language, when you're looking into scripture, it's important to read all of it, right? Let's not just genuinely, you know, just kind of get a, a picture of it. But let's get a deep picture here. John says, behold, look at the article, the lamb. Does everybody catch that this morning? It's not behold a lamb. Behold a lamb. Behold a sheep. He says the lamb. It's really much like in other parts of scripture where we talk about Jesus and we talk about, you know, who he is. He's the prophet, right? He's the savior. In other words, there's no other like him. There's no other lamb like Jesus. Can I have an amen this morning? He's the lamb. And John correctly identifies Jesus as the lamb. That, that, that word sticks out to me, the three little letters there, the. He's the lamb. There, there's no other hope. There's no other, there's no other place of peace for me. But in those words, he's the lamb. I remember a few years ago when everybody, probably everybody in here, but we were all Oklahoma City Thunder fans. Y'all remember those days, all right? Man, we had the, we had the A-team. We were just going to do great things. As time goes on, people move on. We have new guys. And people are saying, well, this guy, he's, he's the player, you know. Guys, I want you to understand, Jesus is more than just another teacher or preacher or prophet or king or priest. Jesus is the lamb. He's it. It doesn't get any better than that. He's the answer. When Jesus later on here in John, we're going to be in John for a while, but John 14, you know, Jesus identifies himself correctly and succinctly. He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. There's those articles again. There's not many ways. There's not many truths. There's not many lives. I'll tell you something. The world today is wanting us to look at the world and say, you know what? You need to seek your truth. No, there's only one truth. It's the truth. And his name is Jesus. John he correctly identifies Jesus for who he is. We don't know a lot about John. I imagine he was a little bit crazy. I can't imagine someone who only eats bugs and honey could really be that mentally stable. I know if I, if I don't have a correct meal, I get cranky, right? Anybody here ever get hangry? I imagine probably John probably walked around a little bit hangry all the time. Maybe that's why he was a little bit crazy in the head. But we know the fact that, that John knew something here that a lot of people didn't know. That Jesus is walking up, and some people are just like, oh, there's a, there's a guy. No, that's, that's that one guy or whatever. They may, may have known kind of who he was, but they didn't understand him on this level here. And John does something beautiful here. And I want you guys to catch this. He doesn't just in his mind say, oh, there's Jesus the Lamb. But he calls the crowd to look at Jesus. What does he say? Behold, the Lamb. I, I can't help but think that as a Christian, we ought to be people who are proclaiming who Jesus is. John didn't hold back. John didn't pull back and just say, oh, man, if I, if I say Jesus is the Christ, and we talked about that last week, how the word Christ literally was like a, a political term for the time, that people, you know, the, the politicians, the leaders of the day, they were scared of this idea of Christ because it was tied to, you know, all these different uh uh, these revolutionary sects between uh, the Jews and the Romans. There was all this stuff that was going on. There was, uh, of course, we know later on, there's a guy by the name of Simon the Zealot. He was a part of a group of like uh, extreme assassins, right? We know that this, that this existed in their society. And so for John to 
say this, to, be, to tell people, behold, here's the lamb. He was really putting himself in danger. I don't think he really cared, do you? I think at this point he was just, you know what? This is Jesus, and whatever happens is going to happen, but he's still going to be king of kings and lord of lords. Paul Washer said that our greatest problem is that we lack conformity to the image of Christ. Church, we need to quit imitating the world. You need to quit imitating your pastors and, and what we did 40 years ago. We need to be imitating Jesus right now. Why? Because he is the lamb. Jesus as the lamb, the sacrifice for our hope. He is the place that we must all start in order to find any peace, any hope, any joy, any love, any anything. You have to start at Jesus. We need to conform our lives to, to him. You know, Paul later on says that we need to have the mind of Christ. There's too many of us in here, we've got, you know, the wrong mindset. We're trying to be like this or, you know, live like this, act like this. We need to be conforming to who Jesus is. We need to have the mind of Christ. And we as the church, we need to quit with the thought that it all depends upon us and what we can do, right? I look around this morning and, and our numbers are down a little bit. But we know why, right? People are terrible. No, I'm just kidding. No, the, the reason the numbers are down today, we've got a lot of reasons. There's cold, there's sickness, right? But there's also this thing in the world today that we know called sin. Some people are choosing sin today over that. And I'm not saying the members who aren't here this morning, if you're listening later, I'm not criticizing you. that Because you're not here, then you must be out sinning. That's not what I'm, you know, concluding this morning. But I do know that there's a whole population of people just in our town who aren't worshiping Jesus today. They're sleeping, they're watching the news, they're drinking the coffee. They're planning their afternoons and there's no thought of Jesus. And that's a shame. That's a shame. And so we need to quit with the thought that it all depends upon us, that it depends on your pastor, it depends upon your church. What it depends on is that you and I need to be conforming to Jesus because he's the way. And as John so beautifully says, he is the lamb. Behold him. Church, I think we need to behold Jesus today, don't you? We need to be looking toward him. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. The second point we see John gives here this morning is that John identifies Jesus as his superior. Now I want you to catch the moment here. John's been out here in the desert. He has disciples. He has people following him. He's in the limelight. He's the one that gets up in the morning and goes down to the river and he preaches and people listen to him and people follow. There's all this stuff that's going right for John. But when Jesus shows up, he didn't mind to step down. He didn't mind to get out of the limelights. What we have in the church today, what we have in Christianity today, we have a lot of people trying to make a name for themselves. It's not what it's about. It's not what it's about. It's about giving, giving a place for people to hear about Jesus, and that's it. John identifies Jesus as his superior. He uses those words that this is the one that I've been talking about. When he talks about Jesus, he's not like, oh yeah, here's another guy that preaches. <laughs> here's another guy that has a beard and walks through the desert, Right? That's not what John says at all. He says, this is the guy I've been talking about. Everything that I've been focusing on, this is him. And i got to be honest with you guys. If Jesus showed up on this stage today, I would have a problem setting down. In fact, I believe most of y'all would be like, Daniel, can you get off the stage, please? <laughs> Quit hogging Jesus, right? 
But Jesus is coming back. We believe that. And, and so our job is to understand not that he's just the lamb, but he's also, he's superior to us. John understood in some way that Jesus wasn't just his cousin, right? He understands in some way that Jesus isn't just a man walking through the desert, but he also understands that Jesus is God because he says, hey, this is a guy I was telling you that would come after me that existed before me. Man, that's a beautiful picture of who God is, isn't it? God is he's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's all these things we speak of. John identifies Jesus as his superior, the one I've been talking about, the one I've been referencing, the one I've been sending, sending prayers to, the one I've been telling you to be ready for. That reference, the one coming after, it's beautiful. But also the words, the one who existed before me, that's beautiful too. He understood, at least on some level, who Jesus was, who he was. John the baptizer admitting that Jesus was superior was not enough, though. I want you guys to understand this. It wasn't enough, was it? Just to say Jesus is bigger than me. I mean, there's preachers in in our, our group of preachers in the state that if they come here, I'd feel like they need to preach and I need to sit down. There are guys that I know that. They got the doctorate after their name or whatever, you know, and that's, you, you would kind of feel like, well, they're the ones that need to be preaching and I need to sit down. Uh, maybe guys in my life that I've looked to as mentors, I would rather them preach and myself listen. It's not enough for John just to say, you know what, this guy's bigger than me, but here's the, here's the kicker, and I think this applies to you and I today. It wasn't enough just to say, you're bigger than me, Jesus. But there's also this call to be faithful to your calling. We need to be faithful to what God's called us to today, church. And our calling is is to proclaim Jesus. And John proclaims Jesus. He he steps down and he's faithful to his calling. Guys, you know the story of John the Baptist, don't you? You know, he ends his life by being the the Roman emperor, right? You guys remember that? No, he doesn't do that. He gets his head chopped off. I think about my ministry at times. I think, well, where do I want to be at the end of my life? You know, when my life ends, I think, well, I want to be, you know, I want to pastor for like a long time and have, a, you know, a lot of success. And, you know, when, when I, when I, uh, when I retire, I want to name a sanctuary after me or something. You know, we get these crazy thoughts. Preachers do. You know, I want a church named after me, Daniel Henson First Baptist Church. And I don't want that. But, but I think in some level, I think all preachers are kind of like, hey, this is the way my ministry is going to go, right? That, that I, I'm going to progress. I may, you know, have some, some high ranking, uh, you know, parts of these committees or something. I'm working towards, you know, being a leader with not just within my church, but also within our associations, within, within our convention. But honestly, the call of a preacher and the call of the church is that we lift Jesus up. John didn't have a problem setting down. John didn't have a problem saying, you know what, Jesus, you're, you're God. You're superior. And just to say that, though, we, we have to be faithful to it too, right? Scripture teaches us that even demons believe Jesus is God. They know that. And just to proclaim it, that doesn't mean anything at all. It doesn't mean anything at all. Even the demons believe this. John's faithfulness, though, I want you guys to catch this, to his calling is what we should try and imitate in our own lives. If you understand who Jesus is, that he's the lamb, then we need to also live like it. That we want to live a life in which we understand that Jesus isn't just a prophet. He's not just some world religion. I've known a lot of people who, you know, over the years who were part of different types of religions. I've, I've known people who were Buddhist. 
known people who were into, uh, you know, new age type religions. And I asked them, I said, well, why do you choose that religion? I used to have coffee with a Buddhist when I was right out of high school. And he said, well, the reason I'm a Buddhist is because it makes sense to me. Anybody here have a problem with that just off the top? Well, that makes sense to me. I remember when I was a kid, it made sense to eat glue, right? Don't tell my mom. <laughs> there, there were things that made sense to me when I was a kid, but it was dumb. I wouldn't try it now. Can you imagine basing your eternity on what makes sense to you? Now, the reason that we follow Christ is because he first loved us. I think the beauty in salvation is that it's, it's a work of God. It's the Holy Spirit that regenerates our minds so that we can even see that we got a problem to begin with. John, I believe in his mind, he, he had a, a healthy relationship with God. And I see that in the fact that he was faithful to Jesus, he was faithful to God, he was faithful to the Holy Spirit, he was faithful to God in all these things. And he kept preaching, and he didn't stop. This is the cool thing. I, again, I asked you guys, how did John's life end? Well, he was, he was martyred, right? But, but John, here he is. If Jesus comes on scene, why did he keep preaching? But he did, didn't he? He kept pointing people to Jesus. Even when Jesus showed up on scene, I mean, he goes, he goes to, to Herod himself and screams who Jesus is, to repent, to be baptized. It cost him his head. That's some faithfulness to Jesus, don't you agree? John's faithfulness is something we should behold. And the reason he was able to be faithful is because he surrendered to the Lamb. He surrendered to the superior nature of who Jesus is. Quit looking at Jesus as some Santa Claus out here giving you presents and you think you deserve it. A lot of people in the church today, they believe that, well, I deserve this. Jesus died for me, so this is part of, you know, this is my, uh, my stimulus plan that Jesus has given me, this salvation or whatever it is I need in this world. Truth of the matter is, we, we don't, none of us deserve anything from God. You don't deserve anything. But we have this awesome opportunity as the church. You guys as FBC McLeod, as Christians in this great state of Oklahoma, you have this opportunity to proclaim the gospel. And you have this awesome opportunity to see people change. And it's not based on your goodness and your grace, but it's based on the fact that Jesus is the lamb. It's based on the fact that he's God. He's superior to us. It's not based on our works. I've been in talks with one of my, my brothers in Christ, and he's looking at a trip to the great great country of Turkey. He's kind of asked me, hey, can you, you be praying about it? I've already almost said yes to it, you know, because I'm like, man, I want to go to Turkey. How cool to go where, where Paul walked and the, you know, the, the first century church really exploded there in Turkey. But as I think about that trip, it's not about sending some American over there to, to talk to Muslims about Jesus. They're 99.9% .9 Muslim in Turkey. It's not the reason you go there. The reason you go there is because you want to proclaim Jesus, not because you're good. I realize I, there's faults within me. There's things about me that's not perfect, but I know who is perfect, and his name's Jesus. John knew that. We know John was imperfect. I mean, who wears camel skins, you know? I don't even like to wear a start shirt anymore. I remember back when I was a kid, that, that was the thing, you know, back in high school, you'd start your shirts until they were like this, you know, and you walked around. 
Bruce, we used to go to church camp and, you know, start shirts. It was like 900 degrees outside and we're like, praise the Lord. And you're, you know, the starch is running off of you. It's just terrible. Why would you do that to yourself? I don't know, but we did it. But here you got a crazy guy out in the wilderness who's wearing camel skins. But you know what else he does? He drops it all when Jesus comes and he proclaims, he says, behold, and he understands who Jesus is. John the baptizer admitted that Jesus was who he said was coming. And he doesn't just step aside, but he continues to be faithful even to the very end. Church, can I ask you guys something? Here's what Jesus wants of our church today. Because I believe I'm, I'm preaching to the choir today. But I'm looking at you and I, and I think, well, what does God want from us? God wants you to be faithful. He wants you to be faithful whether it's a pandemic or not. He wants you to be faithful whether Christianity becomes more popular or less popular in, in America. By all current trends, it looks like Christianity is getting less popular among people. Church is not a priority anymore. What Christ wants from his true followers is faithfulness. John was faithful. And the reason he was faithful is because Jesus is king. That's why. We talk about John, but John was just a guy, right? He was just a a guy, and he, he wasn't anything... Special, except that he was called. But the truth of the matter is we're all called to proclaim the good news. We're all called to, pro, to proclaim who Jesus is. We're all called to, to shout in the wilderness, hey, Jesus is coming back because church, Jesus is coming back. We need to be ready. Quit playing games. Quit being a person who's out here just playing games and seeing how much you can get away with. But rather be a person who's, who's looking for the, the return of Christ and understand that Jesus is the lamb. Jesus is our superior. He is God. And the last thing I want us to look at this morning is that John identifies Jesus as the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now, y'all don't get scared of that word there, okay? I know we're Baptists and the Holy Spirit scares us sometimes. But what's, in, what's, what's important about the Holy Spirit? We know that the Holy Spirit plays a great part in our salvation. The Holy Spirit's the one that draws us. Holy Spirit's that that great comforter. Does Jesus comfort? Yes, but the Holy Spirit is the one that's right now speaking to your own heart. That I can work all week and put together a beautiful sermon, but the Lord's going to speak to you where you need to be spoken to as well. He he draws us all together, maybe on one passage of Scripture, but it's all going to hit us differently in different ways. It's okay. Because the work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is that great comforter, that great teacher. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And John states that, He actually saw the Holy Spirit. Has anybody here ever actually saw the Holy Spirit? Maybe you have. I'm not, I I don't know. I know my experience is that I've always, it's always been, you couldn't deny that the Holy Spirit was there. Like that kind of thing. I remember being at a camp one time and I'm, uh, we'd we'd been leading some music and my brother uh, Brian and I were sitting on the back. We got done singing and it's hot. And so we go back to the back of this tabernacle and we're sitting there. And we're both just praying for the service. And there's a preacher down there and he's preaching the gospel. And we just, you know, led what we thought was probably the best worship service of all time. <laughs> but we're sitting there on the back of the, the tabernacle, kind of up on the, the wall there. And I'll never forget that there was an actual movement of air that, that flew by me. And it just about knocked me over. Does the Holy Spirit always manifest in that way? I mean, not always. But what I can say today is that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now. And the question is, are you listening? Are you listening? 
Now, I was listening that night. I was tuned in. And, and John, he was tuned in to God. He was tuned in to the work of God. He knew that God was Father. He knew that there was a Son coming. He knew that the Holy Spirit was a thing. And it says here that he doesn't just feel the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say that he just, you know, you know, got goosebumps or whatever. It says that he literally saw that Greek word there is literally physical eyes seeing the Holy Spirit coming down from heaven. What does that look like? I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to know. I've never seen that. But with physical eyes, the, it says the Holy Spirit descended and remained upon Jesus. And that's significant when you guys are looking at the verse there. Um, you know, there have been a lot of prophets throughout the years. And the Holy Spirit came upon Isaiah, right? You can read through the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit came upon David. Or the Holy Spirit did this upon this person. But here's the only time in Scripture where you, is, you read where it says the Holy Spirit came down and remained with Jesus. If you're in your Bible there, just underline that word remain. That's significant. Why is that significant? Because this is who Jesus is. <laughs> he's, he's Messiah. He's Mashiach. He's, he's come to save the world. And the Holy Spirit wasn't just something that was moving him to say something, but the Holy Spirit was there to work with him and through him. Why? Why? Because they're all one. Trinity. It wasn't a separate thing. They were all working together. John, he's, he uses those words because that's, that, was his, that was his testimony. Was he's, John the Baptist probably told the story at some point to John the, the Revelator or John the, the Apostle or John the Disciple, whatever you want to call him. He talks to John and gives his story or maybe John heard through somebody else the story and so he writes this down for you and I to know today. And the words he saw the Holy Spirit come down is significant. And here's the thing I want you guys to understand that God is real. Can I have an Amen. Jesus is real. The Holy Spirit is real. All of these things, the Trinity of God is real. John understood that. He, he testifies to that in this account. To see the Holy Spirit, like, like how beautiful is that? To see the Holy Spirit. And it didn't just come down and go away and that you had to call for revival again. No, the Holy Spirit remained with Jesus. And as we read through these passages of Scripture over the next several weeks, I want you to understand that every time that Jesus does something, says something, goes somewhere, there's a reason to it, right? When, when he goes to a certain place, he had a purpose. The Holy Spirit working through him for the glory of God. As the Son, he came to be our revelation. He came to be our salvation. He came to be the lamb. He came to be the one that's greater than us. And he comes to be today our savior. And we're, I thank God today for the work of the Holy Spirit because I know that I can preach, I can prepare, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit that's working in lives right now. Maybe in this place. Maybe it's later on, thanks to technology, we get to you know pipe out the sermons every week. Currently working on, you know, doing some videos and stuff like that. Those are all great. But without the Holy Spirit working through us, it's not worth anything. It's not worth anything. I told you guys a few weeks ago about a church I saw on a Christmas parade. And they, they were less godly than the other floats. Literally, the tow trucks had more to say about Jesus than this church in their, in their float. I thought, that's crazy. You have this opportunity to behold and to tell people, behold Jesus, but you didn't do it? sad. Jesus did not come as an ordinary prophet. And we see that that is true, that Jesus didn't come to just tell us something. He came to set us free once and for all. 
We're not just people who have to, you know, walk around without knowing. Jesus was not just another baptized follower of John the baptizer. This baptism was a was a showing, an introduction to what God was about to do. And he was about to do it through the incarnation of God, Jesus. We trust that today. We see that. And it is for the Father, by the Son, through the Holy Spirit, where we see the gospel proclaimed. Why do we do what we're doing? Why does Daniel get up week in, week out? I have my whole adult life. Why have I done this? It's because it's for the glory of God and not myself. It's for the glory of God. Why do we do anything? Why do we have young adult couples Bible studies? It's for the glory of God. Our society's hurting right now. One of the ways that our, our society's hurting is within families. You know? Like the devil's trying to destroy families. You destroy families, you're going to have problems. Not just within the family, but in society as a whole. We see that so much of the time. America's always had problems, even from the very beginning. America had problems when, when the, with Puritans, when they came over. There was problems then. They had bad ideas. There was problems in America with, with the Native American population too. Why? Because Jesus wasn't a part of the picture yet. And when we take Christ out of our marriages, we take Christ out of our families, and when we take Christ out of our church, we miss it all. We miss every bit. John tells us and he reminds us to behold the Lamb. I pray today that we're beholding the Lamb of Jesus, don't you? <laughs> that whatever we do, it's about Christ. And it's not, it's not about like how good we are. Let's, let's, uh, quit beating yourself up so much. Understand that Jesus can set you free. That's the thing. I, I don't do what I do because it's something you know I did right years ago. There was nothing Daniel could have done right in order to be saved, ever. It's just the grace of God. For it is by grace we are saved through faith. We need to live in that truth. The world's telling you to live in all kinds of truths. Live in the truth that Jesus is king. Amen. In our daily lives, guys, we must be sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit in our new identities for the glory of God. The Bible tells us that we're new creatures in Christ. Everybody say new. Creatures. In Christ. <laughs> Quit thinking we're old and we just can't do anything for God. Well, I've been saved for so long, I just can't think of anything else I need to do. Right? We do that all the time. Doesn't matter what age group you're in. We're just like, well, I've been saved for a while, so we lose that first love. But if you go to the book of Revelation, Jesus is talking to the seven churches, right? And one of the churches, I believe it's Ephesus, he says, hey, you've lost your first love. Be careful about that because if you lose your first love, I'm going to take that candlestick away from you. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, ship, ship up, guys. You got a reason to be bright for the Lord. You got a reason to proclaim Jesus. You're, you're not in this all by yourself. You have the work of the Holy Spirit, right? You've got a salvation that was brought to you by the blood of Jesus, and all of it's for the glory of God. And guys, if we can catch that picture, that the work of the gospel is so much more beautiful, whether the Lord takes us to Turkey or he even takes us to Hera, Oklahoma to, to preach to those pagans over in Hera, right? You know, whatever it is that the Lord does, I just say that because we just beat them in basketball. But um, Jet had a really good game, by the way. But I digress. I love people in Hera. They just need Jesus. But wherever we go, God may take you wherever. He may just take you to your own family. 
The significance of the story of John identifying Jesus and having that good picture. Church today, we have no reason not to have a good picture as to who Jesus is. Our study today, we're going to talk a little bit about how blessed we are in our modern society. We've got the Bible in a million ways. We've ever, basically everybody that sits in a church house is literate. We can read. And if you can't read, you can listen, right? But the Bible is so available to us today, and yet we're the most illiterate society, it seems, in a long, long time. But here's the hope. Behold the Lamb. How do we grow this church? How do we continue to be encouraged in the work of the gospel here? We just keep telling people, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. The other night, I got to, the opportunity to go in and pray with the girls' team and the guys' team in the locker room. Locker rooms are really stinky. I forgot how bad they smelled in there. Maybe it was just Hera's locker room. I don't know. But I go in the locker room, and I go to pray with these people, and I don't know, who, who do I need to talk to here, right? You know, what do I need to say to these people? You got, you got these, you know, these, these teenage girls, and they're, they're probably like, stranger danger, you know, whatever, because preachers got a bad, bad rap nowadays, you know, and I'm walking in a girls' locker room to pray with them. I didn't know anything else to do except just tell them, hey, live in a way that glorifies God on or off the court. And I prayed with them when I left. I just kept it simple, right? But really, when we look at the story of John, it's a pretty simple account, isn't it? Hey, I was sitting here baptizing people, and here came Jesus, and I said, behold, the Lamb of God. He existed before me. And I know it's God because it's all there. Everything that the Lord had told me in the past, the work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus being there in the flesh, I know that this is God's plan. Church, we have no reason not to share the gospel with the world. Can I have an amen with that? Wherever you're at, there's people in your life right now that need to hear the gospel. They need to know the goodness of God. And if we hold back from pointing people to Jesus, shame on us. Shame on us. Earlier on, I had, had my brother come up here today, and he read out of Psalm 3. Psalm 3 is this, this writing of David. And David, he's, uh, you know, he's running from, from family. It's people's trying to kill him. And, he's, and he's, he starts out the psalm. He's like, oh, there's all these enemies coming after me, right? <laughs> all, all this bad stuff. And, and David is really, he was kind of a drama queen, I think, in some ways. Drama king, I guess I should say, because he was King David. But, but in Psalm 3, you know, he, he tells them, he's like, oh, I got all these people coming after me. They're trying to kill me. But the conclusion that he ends, and the last verse, I think, is prevalent and good for what we need to hear today. Verse 8, he says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessings be on your people. David, in his writing, Lord, how many are my foes? Lord, I I cried out to you. I'm not hearing a lot of stuff, but salvation belongs to you, God. And really, that's the same message that that our, our brother John, the baptizer, that's what he was saying, was God's salvation belongs to you. It's not about me. David wasn't like, it's about me. Nope, not at this point anyways. David made a mistake several, several times. I'm sure John did too. But what we do know is that the men who are given 
great credit in scripture are ones who pointed people to God. To God. I pray today you know who Jesus is. I believe most of us probably do. We understand who Jesus is. We have a good definition as to who he is. Let's make a point to point people to Jesus. We have no reason not to. Today, if you don't know Christ, you know what? Today, you can know him. Because I believe that as sure as the sun rises in the morning, that the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to your heart and he's regenerating your spirit to where you can see that you have a need for a savior. And if that is you today, today could be the day that you can be saved. There's no magic prayer or anything like that. Here's what I believe. I believe that there is a work of God going on within you. And then if we repent of our sins and believe in Jesus, we will be saved. That's scripture. That's not a Baptist thing. That's scripture. That's the plan that Jesus came to put before mankind. If we believe in our heart, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. If you know Christ today, great. If you don't, come to know him. If you have questions, find a believer. Find someone who's pointing you to Jesus because we know that Jesus is the answer. Amen. Lord, would you pray pray with me today? Lord, I I thank you for your goodness and your grace. Lord, I know that you have brought everyone to this house today that needed to hear this word. And not just so that we can hear a word, but Lord, that we may go and share the word. Father, I love reading accounts of the first century church and how they operated, how they worked. Father, one of the things that they did is they they had relationships with people in their community. They they shared what they studied in their home groups. They they shared what they studied when they worshipped you, Father. And maybe they had a lot of reasons not to because they had governments coming after them. There, There was a real fear and a real concern with being fed to lions and being burned alive, being boiled in oil, being being hung on a cross. But Lord, they continue to point people to you. May we be guilty of the same thing. May you be glorified in this place today in your name. Amen.